check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Episode 230, Tactical Shooting Handgun with my co-host Kilo Sierra. Today we're going to bring you and take you down range where we're going to go through the tactical course and the importance of tactical training. How do you get in contact with us? Well, it's real easy. RaiderCop.com takes you to our audio portioned uh, website where you can hear all our podcast from number one to number 230 and radacopnation.com our official website will take you there where you can learn much more about us we are on social media so look us up radacop radacop nation or radacop podcast and you will definitely find us you can always hear the podcast wherever you get your podcast by looking us up radacop podcast we're everywhere you know, recently I did a program with regards to the sheriff of Los Angeles, and he recently did a press conference where he kind of broke down what's going on in Venice Beach. The reason I'm bringing it up, it's going to be uh, attached to the show notes, a separate uh, news article and a news bulletin from Raider Cop. We're going to send that out because... He's in a battle with the communists for Los Angeles. And what happens in California happens in the nation. So we need to support those battlegrounds that are happening in commie California. And uh, you looking to get your gun fixed? Well, I know the guy. His name is Pistol Pete the Gunsmith. He'll fix that gun up, do trigger, do sights. New, whatever you're looking for. All you got to do is call Pistol Pete, the gunsmith in Miami. He'll give you the particulars on how to send him the gun. It's real easy. He'll fix it up to your liking and send it right back. Pistol Pete, the gunsmith, the gun armorer of over 5,000 law enforcement officers in Miami in one given time. Today's episode 230, Tactical shooting handgun the importance of training you know we shoot at a paper silhouette and we have everything kind of scripted i shoot at the three yard line maybe i'm the seven yard line guy maybe i'm the 15 yard line yard line guy maybe i like to shoot 60 yards away because i'm bullseye guy but it It lacks so much of what really is going to happen in a combat situation. Moving and shooting and that tactical approach training is so important for people's survival. And that's what we're going to conquer here today. But before we get to that, as we've got Kilo Sierra on the on-deck circle, we're going to hit you with living in the Bolshevik states of woke, our three stories, of course, the joke of the week, and the word of the week. Let's hit it. The Soviet Union will be pleased to offer amnesty to your wayward was. The Soviet Union? I thought you guys broke up. 
Our first story takes us to Camilla, Queen Camilla, where the LA Times calls Camilla ineffective in her role as vice president. Recently, the Los Angeles Times has come out to criticize her president, her vice president, and uh, by saying liberal Los Angeles Times said Vice President Camilla Harris has been ineffective in her role only five months after fawning over her so hard that the paper's coverage was labeled inappropriate and disappointing. The L.A. paper was ridiculed on social media in January when it announced covering Camilla Harris, a project described as a beat dedicated to her historic rise to the White House that was loaded with complimentary content. So they've done a 180. They're completely uh, calling Camilla the appropriate train wreck. Our second story brings us to a longtime Washington lobbyist helps secure the breakthrough in infrastructure talks in Washington. So imagine that a lobbyist, okay, a professional corrupt dealer, that's what we'll call him, not saying that this particular gentleman is corrupt in any way, but basically they make things happen with little envelopes. Biden whisperer, longtime Washington lobbyist, helped secure breakthrough in infrastructure talks. Look at there. Steve Ricciotti is playing a key role in guiding the president through negotiations, drawing decades of experience and <laughs> relationships from the Washington Times. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. And our last story brings us to the former chief of police of the Detroit Police Department, James Craig, which has openly criticized recent speech by Runaway Joe, where he talks about uh, crime prevention. According to Joe, it's he's going to stop guns. But we are confused. What happened to all the criminals that are pressing these triggers of these guns? James Craig went on to say, his program falls short of a couple of fronts. First of all, he did talk very briefly, maybe about 10 seconds, about having a, pro a properly functioning criminal justice system. We know that bail reform is a failure. We have criminals in the streets, and that wasn't properly addressed. And then we talk about high police pay over time. Look, I'm certainly a strong advocate of community policing, but let's talk about New York and the end of their proactive policing program. Crime fighting, as the sergeant indicated, where is that? So it fell short, but but we put a, a lot of focus on gun dealers. There's laws in place to reduce those transfers of guns to prohibit persons. So it really just falls short. And it does fall short if it shows that 
the lack of wisdom over at the White House, you're not focusing on the criminal, you're focusing on guns because your political agenda speaks for itself. So, all right, I know you're a little depressed because uh, that's what usually happens when you hear living in the Bolshevik states of woke. So we're going to give you the joke of the week. Here we go. If, if Khan is the opposite of pro, then isn't Congress the opposite of progress? All right, you want to get mad at me? Fine. What do you want me to do? All right, this week from the scripture of Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, we have... Therefore, as the elected of God, holy and beloved, put on the tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Again, you can hear more on the AWOL series on RaiderCopNation.com by just going up to upcoming shows. The banner will drop down and you'll see one that says AWOL. Just click on that and it'll take you to all the program's 30 minutes or less of God's Word because your spiritual welfare is just as important as all the other training that you do. Today, episode 230, myself and my co-host will take you through downrange on a journey on tactical shooting handgun and the importance of that type of maneuverability type of training because it's a perishable skill that if you don't use it, you will lose it. And if you've never done it, you wouldn't have it, so you, you couldn't use it in the first place. So we're going to talk about that. So without any other holdups, it's time to bring on the one and only Kilo Sierra. Here he is, straight from the red carpet, Kilo Sierra. Hello, sir. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. And how are you? Doing very well, thank you. Uh, luckily, I'm, I'm busy with the training. It's a, it's, 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 it's a, a good, good time thing. to be involved in farms training. It's wonderful. It is a wonderful thing. I know I, I catch your little highlights every once in a while on, on Facebook, and I say, well, good. We're, we're back in business. Yes, yes, it's wonderful being seeing people again and uh, having social gatherings and social functions just like we did pre-COVID. It's just a wonderful thing. Now, when I was in law enforcement, one of the things that we used to always say, joking around, never let your bosses know that you enjoy what you're doing. <laughs> so, in that sense and in that theme, oh, it's terrible being out there on the range and all that, isn't it? You know, just exactly. in case, it's boring. just oh, in case Doctor Fucci's listening, you know. <laughs> exactly. Do we have to go again tomorrow <laughs> and for the rest of the week? Oh, come on. <laughs> Meanwhile, that's what we dream about, right? Oh, okay. That's, that was my dream job. It's awesome. It is. It really <laughs> is. Great. It really is. Today we're going to talk about uh, a, a regiment program that you're really keen on. It's uh, 
you know, your your kind of idea of tactical shooting in handgun. Tell yes. us a little bit about it. Sure. Now, what happens is that many people that do the firearms training, uh, when they still first begin, and obviously there's nothing wrong with this per se, but most ranges, when you uh, perform some of these drills and, and you're in a static environment. You're, if it's an indoor range, you're in a, in a cubicle or in a booth, per se. And, and obviously, when you do the firearms training initially, you do want to get that, that uh, the target acquisition of side alignment, trigger press, and you want to concentrate on the basics, which is extremely important for you to move on. Because you, you, you want to attain a, a, a skill level and you want to attain some type of accuracy and familiarity with the fire. But I've noticed for many years when, especially students that get it for the first or second time, and, and they want they want more. They're like, okay, now I know the basics. I know the grip, I know the stance, I know side alignment, side picture, trigger press, following through, uh, breath control. And they get it, and, and that's wonderful because that's the, that's the foundation of it. But now they want to move on to the next level. Right. And Right, so what happens is that in order to attain that type of training, it behooves the student to learn how to move and shoot because it's amazing. And, you know, I, I always throw humor um, in, in my training and I tell them, hey, it's amazing when guns in, in, in a situation altercation, when guns come out, people move. It's incredible. They don't, they don't just stay in one place and they laugh, you know, but they realize, yeah, he, he's right. And a lot of times people, especially when you begin a firearms training, you don't, there's not, especially in certain states, there's not much of an avenue to do moving and shooting drills um, for, for most ranges because most ranges is forbidden, especially in a static range. So that's why I am a huge advocate, as you know, of, of a, a tactical or shooting, uh, handgun shooting, because it's it starts the student uh, now, whether you, so, let's say let's go from the beginner student. From the beginner student, it's the first time they're getting their feet wet with, with multitasking, with uh, moving, shooting, possibly reloading, taking cover, uh, and that's another thing that students have to learn, especially beginners, is that if they're reloading and there's a jam, hopefully there's cover and utilize some type of cover near them, and that's a new concept because a lot of new students are not used to. Uh, Engaging the threat behind a cover, a cover. They're used to the an open range where they just point the gun and shoot. Where in reality, you want cover or something to, to stop incoming rounds. So, it's a lot for the student to grasp initially. So what I do is I do it in stages. Uh, the moving and shooting is, is very slow, very methodical, because I, I slowest move, smoothest fast. Right. I want them to to learn initially, and then I step it up. And for the advanced for the advanced students that have done this many times, I step it up a notch by adding additional stressors uh, to the drill. So it's an eclectic system, but it's crucial because if an individual wants to train to use a handgun for self-defense, I mean, it's going to be a lot of moving and shooting, you know? Yeah, and a lot of stress, a lot of stress on the body. Oh, definitely, definitely. And one of the things, like, for example, when I used to train at the, when I was a range master up here in Jersey, one of the things we did, uh, especially with police officers, that I don't really see too much, but I documented that, that academy training into my personal training, 
is that every once in a while after a certain drill, uh, I have the student learn to check themselves. You know, so, so literally when they're behind cover or there's a certain break in the drill, I literally have, while they're still looking at the threat, they take a quick peek at their own body to make sure that, you know, to get them used to that. Correct. Because in, a, in, a, in an adrenaline surge, you're not, you might not know if you've been hit. And it, it's important to, to at least, especially, and I do that especially with advanced students because their blood's pumping, I have to do this, I have to do that. But every once in a while, check your body, check yourselves. I'm okay. Am I okay? Like that. And I, I indoctrinate that into my drills because I think it's very important. It is. And, and if uh, I can add, um, when uh, in law enforcement and when you train in discretionary shooting and stuff like that, and they are moving and shooting, when they go behind cover, they usually will crowd their cover. In other words, they're too close to the cover. Absolutely. And that's because their adrenaline is running at a thousand percent. Yeah, we do that too. I typically, you know, rough idea, I demo, okay, roughly arm's length distance and cover. That's why you can, as we call, cut the pie. Correct. Do a, a slight increment on either side uh, to see what your threat is doing. Also, as you know, um, we also teach, I just teach the students, um, if, when they're peeking at the threat, to change the angles and change the sides of the peak. So that way, the individual on the other side, if they're shooting at you, they cannot predict where you're going to poke your head out. Just to take a quick quick uh, glance at what's going on. Because that, that's, a, that's a very big mistake a lot of the shooters make. Yeah. Is that let's say you're behind cover and you're constantly looking right, looking right, looking right. The other person on the other end can time you. Yeah. It, it, it becomes robotic. Yes. And, and you want to make sure you change the angle of that. So it's a lot of things to, to learn for the student to learn. Now, when the novice uh, starts in the tactical handling course and you walk them through it, um, of course, it has the components of eyes, ears, you know, all the safety equipment. And uh, at this point, they're still not loaded. Oh. Yes, correct, correct. What I do is I purposefully uh, will have the student have an empty firearm in their holster, not even loaded magazines, uh, maybe empty magazines, and whatever drills it is, whatever drill, especially in the beginning, I have them do it dry right. with the, uh, the verbal commands, the whistle, uh, target A, B, and C, uh, uh, doing the tactical L to the next cover, uh, whatever it is I, I have them do, I have them do it dry first, sometimes a couple of times, and I, and I ask them, hey, I, do you understand the drill? And especially with beginners, when it comes to uh, uh, the, one of the live fire portion uh, for, for, the mo for the moving and shooting drills, I would just try to do a one-on-one student-to-instructor ratio. Okay, excellent. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the moving and shooting part, like uh, th because that's especially with a beginner, and also, and I get a lot of jokes about this, but especially whether it's the beginner students or advanced students, I think it'll behoove the instructor to wear body armor. Uh, for, for, there's a problem that I do, and, and uh, of course the joke. So you don't trust me, you know? They try to, but I'm like, no, no. It's like the individual that uh, goes to the dentist's office. And then he had the, the person put on there the lead vest. I'm like, oh, what, what, what? But I have to stay here without a vest. Yeah, because I do this every day. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but as, as a firearms instructor, we understand 
you know, when that student turns around and points his muzzle at you and says, my gun, I don't think is working properly. So, Oh, yes. <laughs> if that hasn't happened to you, then you're it not happens. a firearms instructor. Exactly. Oh, it happens to me on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, especially with the beginner students. And that's where you have to do the check to make sure that that gun isn't pointed at me or anybody else or any part of my appendage. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that, that, that happens a lot. Because a lot of times, especially the newer student, uh, you have two extremes. Either the new student is really stressed out, and, and they're just they're doing so many things at once that they forget about multiple disciplines, or sometimes the advanced student becomes complacent. Yeah. And and they and they they circumvent the safety protocol, and they'll do that too. Like, wait, 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 wait a second. So it happens on both ends. Yeah, yeah. And, and being a novice, they, it's a lot of uh, information overload. So that's why oh. you know, I, I think the ratio of instructor to student one-on-one -on -one is perfect. Oh, sure. Sure, because it's, it's in layers. Because at first, my experience has been when the student first learns how to move and shoot, um, you go over uh, the basic walking and shooting, forward, walking and shooting, rearward, sidestepping, so make sure they don't shuffle their feet across their legs. Uh, that we get there too. Yeah. Everything in a very simplistic uh, methodology. Um, and then the basics of shooting behind cover. Then the more advanced students, um, you can you know, run to cover. And for many, so, and I, there's a lot of debate about this topic, but I tend to be of the opinion, uh, I mean, if, if at all feasible, you're a lot faster when you're running to your next barricade without a gun in your hand. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so, the, so things like that. We go over that. Uh, we go over, you know, a cover in a, uh, a street situation. I go over the basic concept that your best cover is behind the engine block of a vehicle if you're in the street. And of course, I have to throw out the joke. I always throw out this corny joke. My range officers know it's coming, and that's why I said, "So, if you're driving behind the Volkswagen Beetle, remember the engine's in the back." <laughs> <laughs> but you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to add a. Uh... Hey, one of these electric cars now. Yes. <laughs> Into the joke as well. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but if you do it in layers. And then one of the things that really, uh, like the students really have not a hard time with, but have to get around that range mentality is the drill in which I literally have them facing me behind them. The gun is holstered, of course, but then the more advanced students, I have them take out the farm to the position sword where their, their handgun's pointed down, and then they have to uh, turn around and face their threat. Okay. Because uh, so they're not used to that. You know, they're so indoctrinated in that range mentality that, uh, obviously, this is only for the very advanced students, that I have to get them that are, that are not law enforcement, that haven't done it before. That I have to get them out of that range mentality, that box mentality, and, and, and tell them, listen, you could be talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, there's a threat behind you. Yeah, I used to tell a lot of my students in uh, the academy that when you come in to qualify, that's not training. You're, you're just showing proficiency. Training is everything that you're just describing today. The movement, the holstering, the, the taking the weapon out, moving with oh, the yes. weapon, turning with the weapon. That's yes. all, that's all real training. That is such a true point. Because when I would take all these courses uh, in the past, and that was a, a point of contention, that was nationwide. 
um, when I would take these classes, many departments could, uh, in order to save money, consider qualification as training, and it's not. It's just a, a fundamental assessment of the officer's uh, proficiency. Well, yeah, fire. I mean, they, they like to say it's training because it plays good into their narrative. But the first time they, they get sued, uh, That's those, right. those uh, attorneys are going to go, isn't this actually just proficiency skills? Exactly. Test? And that's what it is. Exactly. That's why you're supposed to have a lesson plan, a, a PowerPoint nowadays, a lesson plan, and some and, 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 a, and a drills. And that, that way, if you ever have to go to court, trust me, I've been there. If you, have to, if you have to go to court, you have to show, this is the lesson plan, and this is what we taught this individual. Uh, and and, and it, it's not only to, to, to save, you know, uh, on litigation, but you, you would build on that lesson plan and, and benefit to the department, too, because it, it covers them. And, and, and or, or if you're a private instructor, it covers you or me because no one can say, oh, um, uh, instructor so-and-so didn't teach me that, but I can prove in my lesson plan that I did. Now, to the horror of a lot of listeners, a lot of law enforcement agencies really don't teach on a regular basis tactical type of shooting. They just teach how to pass the course of fire. Exactly. And so exactly. this is like an extra. And that's why I always tell people, whether you're in law enforcement or not, you should always dip into your own funds. Don't sit there depending on the agency and get your own skill set up to par by uh, taking private classes yourself. That, that's that's an absolutely fantastic point. I finally was able to get training from my department uh, back in the mid two thousands, or still aside from qualification, have two other uh, uh, training sessions, but. I was head of my training department, and I would also encourage my officers make sure that you uh, you get your, pay for your own training as well. Whether, whether the department can fund you or not, it's important that you seek training, and then to and I would have them send me the certificate. Mm -hmm. That way, it was in their file. Um, but as or, or if it's not, if, we're, if it's an individual security officer or even a concealed carry holder. It behooves the individual to get as much training as possible. I go through training every single year, and I learn something new. Yeah. It's wonderful. It, it is. It, it, you're up, remember, it's a proficiency skills. So if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And the right. more training you have, the more you have, more tools you have in your tool chest. Exactly. And I always take what I've learned from training to, to teach it to other people. Because you know, you know the business, Al. It, 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 it's like we steal from each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, is that your PowerPoint? Can I use it? Is that your, can I use it? Exactly. Like, okay. When, when you when you tell I'm going to do this new course, uh, it it comes out next week, and then all of a sudden you see everybody with binoculars behind you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See if he's got something new. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's all good. It's all cool because. We all share, and that's why I have so many um, great PowerPoints because other people have been generous, and I do the same thing. Like when I taught at ILFE in 2019, the International Association of Law Enforcement Fire Instructors, um, I taught my off-duty law enforcement class, and people were so – they liked it so much that they asked me, Karis, can you send me the PowerPoint because I think it's important for my department to understand this because the same issues we just spoke about, many departments still consider qualifications training. Right. And when I show this, and also many departments, the reason why I created that class was that 
Many departments do not even include training that touches upon that subject of off-duty carry. Exactly. You know, a lot of departments only have, well, I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong, but a lot of departments only have training uh, for those for, for when you're in uniform. Correct, yeah. But, but you're not always working, you know? Yeah, correct. Uh, you know, the agencies just want to show your skill set on proficiency for their own liability. I mean, if they could get away with it, they would. They wouldn't even have you go out there, but they can. Of course, right, and and, and it's important to do that too. Yes, to to be proficient all of the accoutrements. However, they should also train for law enforcement, and not just law enforcement, but security personnel too. How to engage in an encounter off duty, but not only not not only are we talking about uh, training utilizing the, uh, the, the physical skill set and the acumen of shooting. However, also, I always touch upon the topic, and especially when other officers and other departments want to use my PowerPoint, I tell them, look, that's great, but make sure that you broach your own use of force policy. Correct. Because that's the thing. You'd be surprised, not in my department per se, but I would teach this class. One of the things I would, I, and when I did it at ILF, I was in Florida, West Palm Beach. Uh, and there were instructors from all over the world. And one of the, my first opening statements was, by the way, do you know what your the, the department's off-duty firearms carrying policy is? Half them didn't know. And, and I'm like, really? You're, you're off-duty a lot, and especially with a family member, loved ones, significant other, whomever. You need to know, A, the physical acuity, the physical you know, part of shoot, but B, what does the apartments say you can and can't do? Correct. Because that's huge. Correct. And, oh. and you'll draw a blank if you're not on duty. Right. Right. And, and it was incredible to see how many, and not just our United States, I'm talking about people from Canada, from other countries, they, you know, a lot of them don't even, didn't even have an off-duty policy. Because in other countries, they can't carry off-duty. Right. So it's it a fascinating, it was fascinating training, by the way. I, I recommend that to any officer that's listening. ILF, the, um, they have the, the I think they, their um, weekly, uh, it's an ATC, it's an annual training conference. I think it's, it might be in the fall this year, but typically it was held pre-COVID during May. Okay. Um, and But the, it's wonderful training. I, I, I'm, I teach there once in a while, and I'm a student there too. But any training, like you said, any training is, is important. NRA has great training. ILF has great training. There's an organization in Massachusetts that I go to, they have great training. There's so many awesome resources out there, Smith & Wesson, all the Glock, whomever. It's just a great experience to get training. Yeah, and, 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 you, and you, there are good instructors out there. You just got to dive in, look for it. And uh, unfortunately, you got to spend your own money, but it's, yes. worth, it's worth it. And in this day and age, and, and uh, you have to get the ammo now, too. <laughs> a little yeah, yeah, well, yes, that's another thing, yeah. You got to get yeah. your own ammo. What? <laughs> now, yeah. if, if, if those that want, are interested in the uh, off-duty uh, aspect that Kilo Sierra is talking about, I'll attach on the bottom of the show notes the uh, old interview that we did on that subject, uh, being off-duty. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes, and uh, and I think it's a very important topic. And obviously, I only teach that to uh, law enforcement, active or security officers. However, uh, a, a large segment of that of that course also applies to the retired officer. 
because a lot of it meshes together. But I've had a very positive responses uh, from that course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, very positive. But yeah, but the, the my tactic with shooting uh, training is I think is essential because it, it gets you out of that box, the arrangement pattern. Now bring us through the uh, the layout of the course of fire for tactical shooting. Sure, sure, sure. So at first, let's say the beginner student, uh, I'll run a number of drills static to warm them up. Then I'll do the easy moving and shooting. The first one I start with typically side by side, side step, shoot, side step, shoot. Then after that, I tell them, okay, on the line, you decide if you're sidestepping left or right. So first I tell them if they're gonna sidestep left or right, then they figure out if they're gonna, where they're gonna sidestep. And I just tell them, don't bump into each other. This I can do stagnant with one instructor per a couple of shooters because they're not really moving forward yet. Right. Okay. And that's the first time for many shooters that they're actually making up their own mind, which way they're gonna move. So that's something totally new. Then, one-on-one, -on -one, we do the moving forward, moving to the rear. Uh, a slow pace first, then uh, slowly to the rear. And a lot of times they, they don't understand that. So the analogy I use, and it's by the way, and yes, you can steal this too, okay? Because I created this idea and, and I've used it and people have used it throughout, throughout all my training. People have a hard time, especially new shooters, how to move forward with the gun without the gun in order to, in, to teach them how to reduce the gun's syncopation or the oscillation as you're walking forward. Mm -hmm. So the, I relate the known to the unknown. So I said, okay, pretend this, and I know you can relate. Let's say you have one of those restaurant-sized, uh, those waiter, you know, those big plates where you carry your food? Yeah. Okay, the large ones. Imagine if you have that whole thing full of wine to the rim, and you're told, I want you to walk here all the way over there without spilling a drop. If you spill a drop, you're not getting the tip. So I said, <laughs> conceptualize that. Like, okay. And the way, when they do it, they put their hands under the tray, like the simulated tray, and they walk. And, that's and they get it. Right. They get it. They're reducing the syncopation, the movement of the upper body, of the upper torso, and utilizing the exaggerated leg movement to the lower torso. And little things like that that people don't realize, and then they get it. Yeah, no. so, it's, it's essential for the moving and shooting aspect. Yes, essential. Yeah. Especially, and that's the first thing they do, moving forward, moving to the rear. Yeah, and then you want to bend, you know, the, the lower extremities, the knees and stuff like that. Exactly. You don't want to be a, you know, uh, stand up straight so the shooter can hit you now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. So I do that. Then I incorporate shooting from behind cover. So they, they, go, uh, they shoot over the left side of cover, right side of cover. I tell them, listen, if they're right-handed, if you shoot left side of the cover, you might want to shoot lefty to expose less of your body, but that's up to you. So that's another thing, a monkey wrench, where uh, when they're shooting behind cover, I try to teach them how to switch hands. If they're right-handed, go left, uh, use the left hand. That way they're, they're moving, the less of their body's coming out of the left side of cover. Uh, but it's little things like that. Then what I do is I actually have them now move from cover to cover. So they'll do the tactical L on right angles. So they move from cover to cover, engaging separate threats forward, uh, forward of them. And then all the more advanced courses do is I initiate more stress. Yeah. Uh, they have to move faster. There's more target acquisition. Now they're shooting 
from the seated position, as if they're sitting in a car on their desk, um, or, or they're loading and unloading with the gun in front of them, simulating that they're just woken up at night and they're putting the magazine, the firearm in their bedroom, mm -hmm. or they're shooting in the prone position or the supine position if they get pushed um, and then they have to engage a threat. Now, for some of the more advanced shooters, I'll have them facing me at the range, and then I have someone from, and then of course, if I get in a safe direction, someone pushes them from behind, they full fight on their face, they roll around, grab the gun, and shoot in the supine position. So I, I have all of these different facets that I eventually move up to. And then the ultimate test, <clears throat> so once the student takes all of my classes, then the ultimate test, and you're gonna find this kind of you know funny, is that I use airsoft, or sim munitions. I haven't used sim munitions in a while, but I, I was a sims instructor. But mm -hmm. I'll use airsoft, and then all of those things that they learn in every one of my classes, now we have at it. And now you're shooting at another person running at you. Yeah. With airsoft. And you'd be surprised how quickly people forget. Yeah, and that's a game changer. Oh, it's an absolute game changer. Because especially, I love doing the airsoft or the sim munitions with the tool drill. The 21 foot drill, uh, when they take the holster out and try to, to assess their threat, when the highly motivated subject is running at you with a knife at uh, 21 feet away. And it's especially a sobering or especially an eye opening experience when you are trying to unholster from a, from a triple retention holster. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's a very eye opening experience. Uh, and I've had departments have actually changed holsters because of my training. Yeah, uh, I mean, triple reduction type of holsters, man. You, when you're under pressure, you're just oh. trying to yank that thing out. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And um, uh, another another type of, uh, and, and then the, for the off-duty guys or the concealed carry uh, hold, uh, individuals, uh, the, the one of the drills that they really understand is, how, is the importance of a good holster. Is that because uh, I'll have a drill in which they do a back like a like a break fall, like a, like a like a martial arts. You squat down, you fall on your butt, mm -hmm. arc your back, mm -hmm. take your hand in that, and shoot through your knees to supine position. Of course, with my beginner students, I have them started sitting down. With my advanced students, uh, they stand up and do a break fall. And when 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 I see their guns pop out of that holster, they know that that's not the holster for them. Right. And I tell them that's okay, no harm, no foul. Rather for this happen to you here exactly. on the range than for it to be happen on the street. Yeah. Because sometimes you know, you know how it is. As alpha individuals, the egos get crushed. Mm -hmm. And I say, no, 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 no. I tell them, no, no harm, no foul. This is not, no, no, absolutely not. Don't get mad. Don't blame me. No, I'd rather have if you have an equipment failure, uh, or, or, or even a tactic that you've used that didn't work well. That's cool. Now you know. Okay, this might not work. Well, that's the purpose of training, to right. recognize issues and mistakes and correct them. Sure, sure, but you'd be surprised. You know, but you know how it is. You should get really mad at themselves. Oh yeah. And it's, don't beat yourself up. That's okay. No harm, no foul. Well, yeah. This is what about. And you they know? take it out on you too. This guy think he oh, knows yeah. everything. Oh. He think he knows this is, everything. This is baloney. <laughs> this this does, this wouldn't really happen. And then they calm down like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Like As they're driving home, he was right, man. I could, I could have died. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, on yeah. this course, yeah. on the tactical shooting, is there a yes. proficiency a portion for them? Yeah, what I do is uh, I just have, um, like, for whatever course they take, I just have a drill at the very end that culminates everything they've done. Okay. So uh, it's like it's like a, it's almost like a I want to say a three gun shoot, but something similar where they go through different stages and load and shoot and uh, things like that. I also teach uh, another buddy of mine. Uh, we do transition shooting. So for individuals that have rifles or shotguns, especially law enforcement or security personnel, we do very similar training. Except we also incorporate transitioning from from a handgun to long gun, also. Uh, for, for those people that do actually utilize a long gun, um, even for home defense, if people want to do that, fine, but it's predominantly for law enforcement and security personnel. But the idea is that the, the, where I want to come across is that you need to multitask. Yeah. You, you have to load, unload, uh, behind cover, moving, shooting, uh, do, do this, reduce the syncopation of the firearm, remember there's threats. And uh, another, what I, I think I've mentioned this before, especially after every shooting engagement, I always tell the shooters, listen, yes, your presentation time, the handgun has to come out really fast, no matter if your target or your threat is a, a three feet away or 20 feet away, your gun comes out at the same time. However, your, your set time is different because the further the threat is, the, the slightly longer you have to acquire your sights if you have time. But... One of the things I really harp on, and this everyone does, not just the, not just the, your new shooter, but law enforcement, experienced individuals, I always tell them uh, the axiom that I came up with is that find a reason to holster. Mm -hmm. Where you will be timed, if it's a timed course, you'll always be timed as to how fast your gun comes out. Or if it's just a, a tactical course, you want to take out your gun as fast as possible and be efficient with it. Uh, however... Find a reason to holster because some people you've seen it, they'll shoot five rounds, two rounds, and then boom, right in the holster without looking around them, right? Without looking, right? Without looking at additional threats. And I, I that's one of my pet peeves. Um, and people laugh because they giggle when, they, when I see when I catch them with it because they know they know they know I'm going to call them out on it. So, so my axiom is find a reason to holster, then you holster, which means uh, in my lingo, you know, look left, look right. Or, or just look or assess for um, additional threats. Uh, if I have to reapply force, reapply force. But the idea is that I want to get them out of that mentality where as soon as they're done shooting, it goes right in the holster with no, you know, with no problem. Exactly, without assessing if there's another threat. And also, holstering in itself is kind of dangerous. Oh, most definitely. Most de and that's hence part of my off-duty class or my tactical shooting class is that especially if you have an inside the waistband holster, yeah. I teach him, listen, these are the different ways you can clear your clothing uh, when you unholster the firearm, and these are the different ways you can clear your clothing when you reholster your firearm. Um, because what I don't want them to do, especially what the beginners do, is they'll laser their support hand. Yeah. They'll have the support hand come across their body to clear their clothing or to find the holster, and then while they're holstering with their strong hand, they inadvertently laser or uh, their support hand. And that happens very often, by the way. I mean, I'm some surprised how often I see that, not just beginner shooters, but even more experienced ones that have to harp on it. No, you cannot laser your support hand. Yeah. yeah. So no, that's definitely, and then uh, if, and that's, that's with a side, uh, I'm sorry, with the, uh, a strong side holster. But then 
I always make sure in all of my classes to say, hey, look, because this is what happens. You'll have people take the class with their, with their hip holster or, or inside the waistband, outside the waistband. However, because that's easier to, to, to do the training all day, but they tend to carry <coughs> excuse me, either uh, um, uh, an ankle holster or, or, or a fanny pack or a belly band. And I'm like, wait a second, I know you and I know what you carry. How come you didn't bring that holster to the training? Yeah. So I always have that. And I put that in my training description, make sure. Yes, obviously you want a strong set holster, when you're, especially when you warm up, but make sure if you carry, if you have other systems or other holsters to carry, make sure you bring it, yeah. whether it's a fanny pack or a, or a shoulder rig or whatever. That way, at least for some of the drills, you can do both. Yeah, I mean, that's the, like we said before, that's the purpose of training. Correct sure. those issues that might arise. So you want sure. to train with that equipment that you use and uh, see if it's accurate, if it's good. Or if there's an uh, inconsistency, you know, you can correct it right there. Sure, because how else are you going to know? I, I, exactly. <laughs> you know, you boy, know? doesn't she look good in a drawer? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, some people swear by shoulder holsters, but then when it comes to training, they're, they're awkward with them. Exactly. It's... You know, and um, yeah, or, or for example, the fanny pack, <clears throat> make sure you know how to use that ripcord mm -hmm. mm -hmm. or, or where it's at. So yeah. if all of a sudden during the drill, what I'll do is I'll have some person, one of my drills <clears throat> is that I'll have you walking back and forth with the individual on the range, like parallel to the target. <clears throat> I'll tell them jokes. I'll do whatever to keep distracted. And all of a sudden I'll scream threat. Yeah. And then, then they have to turn around, acquire the threat and acquire the pistol and engage. But you should see the fumbling when it's a fanny attack. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they take too long to tell them you're dead. Stop. That's right. It, it's just it's 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 not very. They they've learned this is not the tool to use in a real situation. Right, right. And I'd rather crush a little egos in training than have them get hurt or die in real life. Right now, there's probably the fanny pack crowd out there right now. They're typing away. These two fools don't know what they're talking about. If you're good at fanny pack. Keep it going. Oh, oh, I'm, oh no, 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 no. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm not, I'm not, by no means am I saying it's ineffective. I use it all the time, yeah. especially by me when I go to the beach. I use it all the time. The, the idea, though, is that don't consistently train with a strong side holster, strong side holster, strong side holster, if you carry a fanny pack a lot. Yeah. So just become proficient. And that, you can even do that at home with a, an empty gun or, or a, a dummy gun or an airsoft gun. It, it's where people have the, the problems with, let's say, fanny packs or, or ankle holsters is the draw. Yeah. You know? And I'm, I'm not, are you kidding? I'm the, I'm the first one. I love fanny packs. I use them all the time. It's just a matter of becoming proficient in it. Now, the because... best thing about this course is that a lot of what the student is going to learn, especially the novice, they can actually do this at home. Oh, oh, uh, I am a, oh, I, and, I, and I tell them that all the time. Many of these drills you can do at home. And there was a, a, a story, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think his name was uh, Jelly Bryce. He was in like an FBI agent um, back a while ago. Uh, he would practice drawing the handgun utilizing a, a garment-sized mirror. 
you know, and he didn't shoot anything. And it, it, he drew from the handgun. He drew the handgun. It was pointing at a garment-sized mirror because he was trying to practice outdrawing himself. Okay. And so a lot of drills that I teach, uh, you can not, 80% of them you could do with either a dry gun or an airsoft gun. Mm-hmm. So, oh, um, um, most uh, definitely. Yeah, you, most, and and uh, you can learn a lot of the moves. I mean, just sidestepping. Huge issue. That's a huge issue. Oh, sure. Especially sure, if you're sure. a novice. You don't want right, to, of right, course, right, right. crisscross your feet and all this other stuff, but you wouldn't know it. And drilling over and over and over again makes it a doable thing in reality. So you can right. practice it at home, shooting in the sitting position. Uh, sure. You know, all, these, all these aspects that they're going to learn from this course, they can actually mm-hmm. learn at home. Of course, with a clear, empty gun, you know, just the tackleberries there out there, you know. Exactly. I like to I like to practice with bullets on my gun. Makes it feel good. Oh no 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 no. Oh no. <laughs> you want to <laughs> save clear and empty people. You know. <laughs> no tackleberries. Exactly. As long as clear safe firearm and no distractions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't put your iPad on or your iPod or no no. It's, you are totally in no ammunition around you. Yeah, uh, but but eighty percent of a lot of my training you can do with a dry gun or an ask gun, uh, because the, the the idea is accessing your firearm from whatever holster system that you use. Yeah, I, I kind of relate this to martial arts. Correct. And uh, in order to you learn the move, but then mm-hmm. you've got to perfect the move. And here exactly. they'll learn all these moves and they'll go home to perfect them. And this is the beauty of this course. You know, it's going to open up, especially the novice shooter, a, a whole world of moving and shooting. Exactly. You know, instead exactly. of the paper, let me shoot at the paper target. You know. Right, 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 right. exactly. And, and that's one of those things in which you have to indoctrinate yourself slowly, especially for the new shooter, or if it's the advanced shooter, then make sure you get constant training so you don't forget, because it is a it is a, a perishable skill. Yeah, and that way you learn how to move and shoot. You practice it. It becomes second nature. It's a proficiency. If you don't exactly. use it, you lose it. Exactly, exactly. But that's that, that's key because. And because that what happens is people become they become complacent. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what you you don't want to do because that's why I, even instructors, I, I train instructors too, but the the idea though is that even as an instructor you have to train. So let alone individuals that are just learning or even advanced students, training training is key. Training is is absolute key. This is a fantastic the, course that I recommend to. All our listeners, if you're in the Philadelphia or the New Jersey area, Kilo Sierra is your guy. As Thank you, yes. And do you want to add anything on the closing remarks? Oh, sh- oh sure. That uh, in, anyone in any, uh, they want any information, uh, I'm in the South Jersey, the Philadelphia area. But the, uh, the important thing is that always seek training as much as you, you possibly can uh, because it, it'll be – It'll be worth your life. You cannot be complacent. 
you have to try different products, uh, not just firearms per se, but different holsters and maybe different ammunition and utilize different techniques. And that's another thing I do is that for individuals that are learning new shooting positions, I teach them different tactics and say, hey, look, these are just ideas for your toolbox. You pick what works for you. You pick what holsters work for you. I'm not going to sit there on, on, a, on, a, on a soapbox and say that you only can use this holster. You can only use this ammunition. Absolutely not. Uh, training is a great way to figure out what's best for you, what, what good quality holsters out there. And be, you have to be a very open-minded. And I tell this especially to instructors is that you always have to be teachable. If you think that you know everything, that means you know nothing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Kilo Sierra, it's always an honor to have you out here and giving the audience your knowledge. Tactical shooting handgun with Kilo Sierra, as he said, in the Philadelphia and the New Jersey area. And um, I, thanks for giving us your knowledge and your time. Oh, you, you're no problem. You're very welcome. It is always an honor and a pleasure being on your show. And I always look forward to speaking with you. We're looking for the next time, my friend. All right. Take care, buddy. Great interview with uh, Kilo Sierra. We got a lot of information. And that's what this podcast is all about. We don't want you to sit there and listen to the show and say, didn't get anything out of it. So to recap, Tactical shooting handgun. It's about learning to shoot tactically, moving and shooting, cover, concealment, and all those things that you can practice at home, of course, with an empty gun, safe, clear, and empty. Proficiency is a skill that you will lose if you don't use it and don't practice it. So, we totally uh, want to motivate you on becoming a better shooter and seeking training. If you're in the Florida area, you can give me a call at RaiderCopNation.com. Just hit the contact thing, put down your information, and if I am not in that general area of Florida, which is a big state, I'll find you an instructor that you will be satisfied with. We've got a lot coming up, and especially up next, The Candy Store. The Wise Guys series continues as we dive into the Lucchese crime family in the area of my hometown, Corona, Queens. It, we will discuss for the next year the Lucchese crime family. So we're going to dive into all these personalities and what made this crime family tick. So episode 231, June 30th, at the end of the month, The Candy Store. And I encourage you fully to hear that episode. As well, some other program notes. I'll give you the month of July that's coming up. And we're going to round that up with the following episodes. July 4th, Public Records Lore, episode 232. July 7th, episode 233, The Black Brothers, part of the Lucchese family and the Wise Guys series. Episode 
234, July 11th, the Wilson Combat WCP 320. July 14th, episode 235, Tactical Shooting Rifle. Again with Kilo Sierra. You like this one? That one's even going to be better. Episode 236, July 18th, To Whom Shall I Speak and Give Warning To? Now we're going back into our AWOL series. July 21st, the downfall of Portland. What in the world is happening in the city of Portland as the communists are taking over? Two battlefronts, one, California, two, Portland, Oregon. July 21st, episode 237, no, I said that one already. Well, let me correct myself. July 25th, episode 238. He noticed the fig tree but remained hungry again as we close in on the A-Wall series. And rounding off the month of July with the Wise Guys series into the Lucchese crime family, a total coco which was a capo captain in the Lucchese crime family. After Thomas Lucchese, this couple almost inherited the entire family, but he decided not to take it. We'll explain that on July 28th. A lot of things going on recently, as I might have said earlier, the sheriff of Los Angeles, the other battlefront that the leftists and the liberals are kind of fighting each other. And the sheriff of Los Angeles is coming out swinging. And uh, he recently did a press conference about uh, Venice Beach. Very interested. He started, he's naming names and putting out evidence. And he basically said another show that we've done in the past that the homeless is a business for leftists. And he's putting that out there. He put these these companies out there, these nonprofits, and the exorbitant amount of money that they're making, 60, 70, 80 million dollars off the homeless. And guess what? Those dollars are not going to the homeless. They're going to other people's pockets. We did a series on that. Uh, regarding San Francisco and here it is evidence being told by the sheriff of Los Angeles so they're punching away over there and um, I'm glad I held my comments about Sheriff Villanueva in Los Angeles he might have a liberal position on politics no problem I don't have a problem with that in the least bit there is a huge difference between a liberal and a leftist. Eventually, liberals around America, which are registered Democrats, are having a problem with some of these leftist positions. They're overreach and going too far. And a lot of liberals are drawing lines in the sand and they're telling the leftists, enough is enough. It's time for you to pull back or pull away. Unfortunately, 
and let the truth be told, the leftists have taken and sabotaged the Democratic Party for their own. And now the liberals are just dusting themselves off. Some are walking away. Some are being quiet in a corner. But there's a few brave ones that are ready and rolling up their sleeves for the fight. I know that in the next coming elections, 2022 and 24, the American citizen will speak volumes and get rid of these leftists and put them back in their place where they belong. It is, as we always say, our responsibility, our civic duty to stand up for what is right. Well, the cops are coming, I hear the sirens, and I've got to go. As always, it is my honor and pleasure to be your host on Greater Cop Podcast. Continue to pray for yourself, because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family, your community, for the law enforcement agencies that serve you, and most importantly, continue to pray for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike. And before they come, I'm out of here.